Welcome, spirit travelers, to the Conscious Quest podcast. On this show, I, Kaylee, and my co-host, Sonia, review and explore the spectrum between science and spirituality to help listeners find their own authentic sense of spirituality. We also run and discuss monthly chakra-based quests to develop a sense of balance between mind, body, and spirit. We hope you'll join us for a quest or two and see where the journey leads you. All right, all right. Sixth episode of Conscious Quest. We are your hosts. I am Sonia. And I am Kaylee. Hi. Today we are talking about the heart chakra. So um, that's going to be fun. Lots of feels. So many feels. That's where all emotions are stored (laughs) in the heart only. (laughs) No. Well, fine. (laughs) So today we'll be talking about the heart chakra and then uh, our experience with our month-long quest, which we are just at the tail end of. It's been great. Um, And then we're going to be talking about our current events in the month, uh, talking about mental health awareness, and then critical thinking. Mm, We'll be talking about spiritual bypassing. That's been a fun one to research. But for now... Yeah. For now, just a quick overview on the heart chakra, otherwise known as Anahata, located in the chest center and responsible for compassion, love, and ego. And our quest was a gratitude exercise. Yeah. So. All right. Now we need our card against humanity to tell us how the episode's going to go and all the connections between the heart chakra and spiritual bypassing and setting expectations, health awareness. What will it be? What will it be? <laughs> Drinking alone. Oof. Yeah. That's what I do to soothe my ego. I drink alone. <laughs> Sometimes if I'm feeling a little lonely, I'll, I'll place a mirror in front of me and then I'm like, cry and drink alone loneliness is a a symptom of an imbalanced heart chakra so yeah i mean drinking alone feeling lonely yeah and drinking alcohol numbs the pain Mm -hmm. of that loneliness so yeah how fitting thanks cards i think i drank maybe two bottles of wine alone this month not like every day every day two bottles of wine (laughs) we need to talk afterwards about (laughs) you don't know me you can't change me (laughs) only i can change me (laughs) (laughs) all right so lonely hearts club right (laughs) no not if it's balance which is what we're working toward well then tell me tell me about the heart chakra and what it would take to find balance all knowing kaylee (laughs) shut up (laughs) (laughs) um yeah so like you said the heart chakra is the center of love for oneself and others compassion empathy Um, It's the source of truths that cannot be expressed with words, and that'll be relevant when we come to next month's chakra, which is the high heart or the thymus, which connects the heart with the throat. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and that is like the place where those words are then translated into, or the feelings are translated into words. But the heart, a lot of the time you'll feel the truth of an emotion before you're able to put words to it. I think that all of us have had experiences with that. You know, yeah. we have to like take time to think. It's like intuition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so when it's balanced, we feel surrounded by love, compassion, and joy, and we feel connected to the world around us. Challenges resolve easily because we are living from a place of love and compassion. And when we make decisions out of a place of genuine love that Mm -hmm. doesn't have a bunch of like edges to it, you're making decisions that you're not going to regret. And you're making decisions that are leading you to um, better solutions every time. So... I think that's where that comes from. And then we're truly able to love and accept ourselves when we have a balanced heart chakra. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's um, associated with the element of air because, like, air is all around us, just like love. You can just breathe it in whenever you need it, really. And then <laughs> uh, the color green and pink sometimes, too. Which, interestingly, and just like a little side note, um, the color pink is actually visually every color but green on the spectrum, which I think is interesting. Mm, mm Mm-hmm. Every color but green? Yeah. Well, I mean, of course, it's opposite. I mean, red and green are complementary colors, so I Mm can see that, but... That is interesting. Yeah. Um, what were the shadow elements of the heart chakra? Yeah, so signs that it's blocked. Um, you can feel self-isolation, loneliness. You can hold grudges against people, have jealousy. There can be fear of intimacy. It can be difficult to trust other people and yourself. There can be a lack of self-love, feelings of unworthiness and codependency. And mm-hmm. physically, there can be heart issues, issues in the arms or hands, higher or low blood pressure, lung problems, circulatory problems, anything that like literally has to do with the heart or the th- organs that are in the chest cavity. Okay. So like working with this chakra, it is normal to be feeling um, maybe like understanding your attachment style Mm -hmm. or understanding your expectations, what boundaries you might have in place with working with the outside world. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Maybe uh, an overflowing of your heart chakra might show in like, um, like big ego. Yeah. Possibly uh, like being, having like a performative self-love you know, that seems like, oh, that person really loves themselves, but deep down, is it genuine? Right, it right. Which, from. which honestly reminds me of the spiritual bypassing research. So I can't wait to talk about that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, the heart chakra can be blocked by grief um, and loss, um, loneliness, trauma, obviously, just like all mm-hmm. of the other chakras. Um, feeling disconnected from other people 
-hmm. like an example of that is like when you've lost somebody in your life and therefore you're you're just not seeking more attachments Mm -hmm. more community it's like i lost someone so important my best friend maybe Mm -hmm. and now you find it difficult to to want to find more friends because that means opening yourself up to that vulnerability and to feeling that hurt and pain again absolutely yeah uh yeah um you can also be blocked by just extreme emotional upset and um, conflict with your loved ones you know getting into arguments feeling like you need to protect yourself um maybe there are people in your life who have uh, taken advantage of the compassion that you've shown them um all of those types of things can block the heart and i think It can, I mean, just even the concept of like a lack of self-love, who Mm -hmm. hasn't experienced that in our culture? Like, yeah, yeah. Um, How we're taught to not love yourself, but to love others. Like, what can you do for others? Or even even the slogan, what can you do for your country? Like, where it has great intentions, sure. Community is everything. But, like, also, at the same time, what can you be doing for yourself? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, my um, spiritual... Uh, teacher that I work with, she has this saying that she always brings up from one of her spirit guides is, uh, you have to consider yourself in the love equation. You know, you have to like, if we're acting from a place of love, it it should never be hurtful to you too, right? Because Mm -hmm. we know, or we can know what is best for us. And we can have an idea of what's best for others, but truly to be acting out of like highest alignment, you are following what is best for you because ultimately following what's best for you and going on that track, if it's coming from this like loving place is going to be best for everyone around you. Like maybe Mm -hmm. it doesn't feel like that in the moment because maybe you have to like end a relationship and you know that's going to hurt somebody. But for the overall status of humanity, we're trying to move toward this space where everyone is acting out of a place of love and appreciation for each other and and mostly for yourself. (laughs) If you know that you can give that to yourself. Yeah, Yeah. And when you are able to give that to yourself and you continue your life with these healthy uh, boundaries and attachments, then you're naturally going to attract people who respect that and also have that usually within themselves. Maybe not at the same level as you are, maybe beyond where you're currently at, but you will naturally start attracting that same energy into your life. People with the same intentions, the same values and goals. Mm hmm. Definitely. I I totally believe that. Yeah. Um, So to unblock the chakra, we can ask the question, what would love do? What would Mm. like the essence of love do in this situation? Um, Like I said, considering and considering yourself in that equation is so important. 
um, a gratitude practice like we did is super powerful for helping to unblock the heart. Mm-hmm. Um, connecting with those that you trust, asking questions like, are you dependent on others to feel loved? Um, where is that Where is that love coming from? Is it coming from an external source or is it something that you're giving to yourself? And that love comes in so many different forms. What would you say, like what place would tough love have in this? Is tough love love? Um, cause in my, in my perspective, love comes with compassion and tough love doesn't exactly come with that. Um, like it can have good intentions, but it's, it's a delivery that almost feels charged with impatience. Mm-hmm. I can see that. I think that sometimes there's a, a line there with, Sometimes the most compassionate thing that you can do for someone is to give them like a harsh truth. Mm. Um, And that could be construed as like tough love, you know, being like you're delusional or something in this regard, you know, and like you're just I, I love you and I see I think that you're not seeing this thing clearly or I love you and, you know, like if you're in a conflict with someone else and you're seeking advice and somebody telling you like a lot of this is your fault, you know, like mm-hmm. telling people things that are difficult for them to hear can be um, really beneficial. But I think like it is a lot about the intention. Like you're saying it can come from a pure intention and I think maybe those things can, but is the intention like, I want you to do what I think you should do. And I'm going to be mean to you because you're not doing what I think that you should do. And I think I think that this is what's best for you. And I don't trust you to choose for yourself. Right. Is it loaded with resentment? And is the person you're trying to uh, deliver this love to, are they in the right headspace to even to like receive it? Yeah, because it can be really harmful. And I don't think Mm -hmm. that like acting from a place of like asking what would love do in a situation is going to ultimately end up like hurting other people, harming. Maybe it'll hurt for a minute, you know, but to have like lasting harm. But but honestly, like maybe the solution in that problem is like, <laughs> if you feel like you're going to be mean to somebody or like you feel like what love would do is maybe just to shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> I was not expecting that. Maybe the solution <laughs> is to shut your fucking mouth. <laughs> true though you know like sometimes you don't really need to say anything and like maybe the situation doesn't actually need your input right and at that point is it love or is it ego Mm -hmm. maybe both how much is how much is your ego having a play in this yeah i mean it's it's very difficult to separate um like a 
our egos from our expression. I mean, they're intertwined, but that does take um, having some empathy for the side you are uh, delivering that expression towards. Absolutely. Yeah. And we'll come to that too when we talk about mm-hmm. spiritual bypassing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You like, yeah. <laughs> So um, now that we're kind of like talking about love and attachment, I want to talk real quick about an article that I found uh, by the Healthline that just talks about different types of attachment. And this was something that I really uh, dove into this month working with this and it kept coming up uh what kind of attachments I have and what, what I've formed. So just a real quick, um, <clears throat> for those who do not know, secure attachment, uh, that develops, usually these attachments develop in childhood with the way our caretakers have raised us. Um, but a secure attachment comes from a very healthy, loving, trusting, yet somewhat stern kind of uh, upraising, something with healthy boundaries that shows you how to create those yourself. So this can show as being trusting yourself, healthy F- uh, self-esteem being self-aware, knowing your boundaries, and being generally competent. But um, then there's insecure attachment. There's anxious, uh, where maybe, uh, you know, every time you had an issue in your childhood, you went to a parent and sometimes they were loving, sometimes they were needy from you and you kind of had to be a parent. Sometimes it was just all over the place. So someone with insecure, anxious attachment, they tend to be needy and angry, distrustful, and difficulties with their boundaries. And then there's avoidant, which is the other side. Similar situations, but your parents are pretty much like, uh, no, take care of your own stuff. Worry about your own emotions. I'm dealing with my stuff. And then sometimes as well, they want you to be the um, emotional caretaker for them. But this can mean, as an adult, becoming shut down or self-reliant and avoidant. But then, interesting enough, there was a fourth one that this article talked about, which was a disorganized, insecure attachment style, which is all over the place. Sometimes you're needy, sometimes you're avoidant, sometimes you are secure in these certain motion, uh, but it's it's disorganized because there isn't any set um, pattern, behavioral pattern, structure there. So um, like 15% of babies in low-risk situations develop this, but like 82% in high-risk situations develop this disorganized attachment. So like if you have a traumatic background, chances are this, is, this could maybe explain some of your... Um, some of your tendencies Mm -hmm. um but like sometimes you're dazed sometimes you're needy sometimes you're angry this can manifest in so many different kind of ways and um trying to work with the heart chakra this month i've become i first start thinking i was anxious but now i'm realizing i'm disorganized there's not really a whole lot of pattern here. And I did have a very traumatic um, upbringing. My mother was 
very insecure and all over the place. And like, there was a lot of stuff going on. It was like layers of, of abuse and trauma there. So I'm not surprised that I have a disorganized attachment style, but like working with this chakra, I've realized that and I was, I've been able to start understanding it and therefore, um, controlling or I guess I can only really control it once I fully understand it. So I was trying to start there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that like, you know, once we become aware of the habits that we have, then we can like start to take the steps to change them. I mean, it's like mindfulness, you know, it's like you have to be aware of what you're doing in order to, um, recognize when it's happening and then be able to like stop it or to take a step back from it. Yeah. 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 And we saw that in the solar plexus month where Mm -hmm. uh, that was the moral of that story is to just like start from a place of observation and then gradual change. And that was our, uh, that was our week uh, quest that we put across to people too. Yeah. So it feels like we're working with, that a bit more Mm -hmm. yeah I think like when I was younger I had like a more um insecure anxious attachment style and as I have done um like the spiritual all of the spiritual work that I've done I've definitely come into a more balanced state um now I think if anything I might tend toward (laughs) avoidant because I am just like very content with myself, <laughs> like, <laughs> like bringing other people into my world. Um, I yeah, can sometimes you... like hold them at like an arm's distance for a while. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, sometimes like in the past, you've expressed how you like that uh, feeling chased, kind of like them really working for your uh, attention, like. Ever, like in terms of dating, and this was years ago. Yeah, that was something that you expressed like enjoyment out of. I almost. actually they were relating you to being a cat. <laughs> yeah, no, but it's not like it can't be direct, right? They can't right. be like directly interested. Otherwise, I'm not. Like you have to be like just like sitting in the same room, you know, just like patiently waiting for me to approach you, like a cat. Yeah, um, yeah. I actually really like being told no. That's the thing. Is like I like people who make me wait, <laughs> which is so weird. But that is no, that is what I enjoy. I cannot. But I want something. It's now. Yeah, I'm like, no, make me wait for it. You know, like, don't give me everything right away. And it's so hard to find people who will do that. Like, you know, everybody is like, I just want to have sex immediately. And I'm like, listen, if you like make me wait two months, I am going to have such a fucking better time. Than... So what attachment is that? Like, what is that? <laughs> that is taking time to build trust with someone. Yes. Oh. That's what, oh, so secure attachment. That's what that looks like. Yeah. Weird. Taking time to build trust and like rapport with someone before I let them into my like sexual oh, energy. 
God, I lose my mind from the beginning. If I like you, I am all in. You want something from me? I will give you everything that I've got. Boundaries? No, there's no boundaries here. You need to trust me. I trust you. No, I don't. I don't trust myself. Hold on a second. I'm going to take three miles back. Step three miles back. Hold on. What did I just do? I don't even know you anymore. Like, I can be really intense at the start of it, love bombing, and then and then be almost like embarrassed by my actions in the next month. That's that's that healthy. That's not healthy. I recognize that. And I've been working with my heart chakra this month to try to actually just understand it. Mm-hmm. Not even trying to change it, just trying to be aware of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so our our quest this month was um, to express gratitude every day. I took that in a little bit different way than you did. Um, I, at the beginning of the month, made a list, which, I mean, if anybody has listened to the last episode, (laughs) like they understand that the lists are an essential part of this for me. Her love language is list. Yeah. Well, that was one of the things too, was like love language that came up a lot for me. Is yeah. like um I am a words of affirmation person. So like if I really if I love somebody or if I have affection for them, I'm gonna tell you. Like mm. I and I will it's pretty easy for me to express in words how I feel. And, um, so I took the month, I made my list and then I randomly selected a name from the list every day. And then I wrote them a letter and the people that I could send the letter to, I did. So that wasn't everyone because I had some people on there who like, I am just not in contact anymore and I have no idea where they are. Or, Mm -hmm. um, I had someone on my list who had passed away I had someone um, on my list, my ex-husband, who it's just not healthy for me to contact him. Like, I just know that if I if I made that move, that it wouldn't be good for me. So mm-hmm. I chose to not do that. But then I um, took those letters that I wrote that I couldn't send and I burned them in my sacred fire to kind of just like yeah. release that energy out into the world. So, yeah, we chose gratitude because, um, well, relating directly with that, but at the start of it, I was expecting this gratitude exercise to just be like very loving, very, and like, I like words of affirmation, but words are not my strong suit. Mm -hmm. I can happily paint somebody a picture of how I feel versus writing it out, but like, at the start, the expectation was to be gracious and to just send that energy and to just like love without expectation, without expecting anything in return, really. Yeah. Like you said, like you've done that. Um, but it definitely changed into more of an ego thing, like, like um, challenging the ego. Mm. At least, at least for me, did you find anything? Did you have like a similar experience? Um, there were a couple of times. So I have actually done a gratitude practice, like month long gratitude challenge previously. Um, so this is kind of like my second time through doing this process. 
And the first time that I did it was in 2020. It was like right after the pandemic started. And um, I had come into it with the intention of sending my letters off to people, but then I didn't for the majority of them because I felt very insecure Mm -hmm. how those letters would be received. And I think maybe that is like part of ego for me at that point was like, I felt like I needed a positive response because it was coming from a place of like, oh, if I'm going to put this energy into thanking you, then like, I want to be thanked back. And really when I went into this, this time I was more aware of that. And I have come to the place in myself where it's like, I don't need other people to, um, give that back to me so much. It was, it was a little challenging with actually the letter that I wrote yesterday to one of my exes. And that um, brought up some things for me that I thought that I had been over that I wasn't. And um, that I think was the most challenging to my ego to write that letter because, and I felt the tension with it even before I wrote it because I was like, oh, I don't think that I was as important to him as he was to me. And this is like a story that I had told myself, like basically our entire relationship. So it was just this old narrative that was coming up. But I was like, you know what? I still know that I have things about that relationship that I am incredibly grateful for. And I still want to write him this letter and I still want to send it even if I'm not going to get something back, that's like, oh, I'm grateful for you too. And I didn't, you know, he was super nice (laughs) when he received it, but it was more like, yeah, you're cool. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks dude. Yeah. Thanks bro. (laughs) And um, So yeah, that was, that was challenging for me, but overall, Every letter I wrote, I was like, I'm not expecting anything back from this. And honestly, like, if I know that I'm coming at this with, like, loving intention, then however the other person receives it is more on them than Mm -hmm. it is on me. Because if they can't receive that, like, gratitude and love from me, and it's also, like I said before, with writing it to like my ex-husband, let's say, I know, and I know that it is not healthy for me to put that out there to him. And you can use your intuition about other people too, like whether or not this feels like it's the right thing to do to send this to someone. It doesn't have to be just like, well, fuck them if they don't like it. Like definitely has like an edge on it that you don't want to be like (laughs) messing with, but there's still someone on my list. Like we have two more days to go after this that I'm Mm going to send him a letter. And I wrote to him during my first gratitude challenge and I didn't send it because I thought that he would feel weird about it because we had this really like, um, it's the same person I talked about in the twin flames episode. Intense history. (laughs) Yeah. This intense history. And I thought that he might feel a little strange about receiving that from me. But since I've worked with that myself and I'm like, have stepped back from what I think that relationship was and I can see it more clearly like 
I almost think that it's important for me to send it now because I don't have that edge with sending it this time. Like I'm not expecting him to come back to me with like a declaration of love. And I'm not going to have that like veiled in my words when I send it to him because I no longer feel that way. Yeah. You've worked hard to dismantle those feelings and to take them off of this pedestal that you've had them on for so long that maybe I might've enabled a little (laughs) bit because I enjoy seeing your joy. Yeah. (laughs) apologize for being a creeper for you (laughs) yeah but it's nice to see that you're in this place um where you're able to just give this out without expectation for a return or to reciprocate those feelings Mm -hmm. and that's honestly really brave i mean working with my i'm i'm closer to when you've uh, talked about your first run through of this, like I'm feeling quite a bit of insecurity. I, my first inclination is to um, write down the list like you did and go through and be systematic is because like that, that organizes the thoughts. But I know that for myself, um, if I do that, then I'm just, I'm not going to do it in general. I need to like let things happen organically. Like let, yeah, sure. A little bit of structure. And I do have, um, I've been saving like the five biggest gratitude letters for the last, like working up to this point, because it's going to be really intense for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have been able to send a few out here and there, like a text and, I wrote my grandma a beautiful um, note. <laughs> um, and, but what I'm realizing through my journey with this is that it's humbling. It's very humbling because I'm writing my thank yous, uh, gratitude, but I also see that they're coming along with a, a lot of I'm sorry's. Yeah. Like, I'm like, hold holding myself accountable for um, the ways that I felt like I could have done more, could have been more Um, apologizing for wanting to do more and not being able to. And so um, these, this like this month was hard for me in that way, dealing with the insecurities and the, and the ego and saying, I'm sorry. And, humbling myself and expressing gratitude it's honestly been mixing with my trauma in ways that I wasn't expecting I was expecting to deal with my trauma later on like with the uh third eye Mm -hmm. um but it's just it's been an interesting experience um because I realize exactly how guarded I am. I usually try to be a very, very open and, and uh, compassionate person, very giving and loving. And then to admit my downfalls, allow myself to be insecure and vulnerable for these people that I want to express gratitude in my life. While at the same time, my, my trauma is literally getting triggered um, for, for reasons that I'm not exactly comfortable expressing on this form yet. I will get there to that point, but it's going to take some time for me to even be open with this in such a vulnerable 
setting, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it was, it's, I, I'm feeling a lot of tension with being able to even do this, to give this out with, and it's, I don't even like really expect a response back from anybody. It's not even the in the equation for me. It's something I guess I'm still trying to process with allowing myself to be vulnerable enough for people to have an emotional response to my emotions without feeling like I'm getting rejected for, for expressing myself. Not always like, instead of always being the soother, like, I guess in this moment, it's allowing yourself to be soothed by this community of people that you bring around you. Hmm. And that's, um, that's really difficult for me to want to accept. Yeah. I got I'm, I'm interested in the second run through. I think that I'd be able to send more out than what I did. Yeah. I also found that I was integrating a lot of apologies into my letters, um, which is interesting because I think like we sometimes hurt the greatest hurts that we have put out there in the world. Like the most hurt that we've done tends to be like the peeps, some of the people that we've loved the most. And it can be really difficult to acknowledge that and to seek and to even contact them about it, you know, especially if the relationship has changed in any kind of way. But again, I think I just kept coming back to the idea of like, this is for me. And, and I am coming from a place of genuine love and expression. Like, I'm not just putting lip service to these apologies to people. Like these are things that I genuinely feel. And like I wrote to someone who was one of my best friends when I was in college. And I am not proud of how I ended that relationship with her. Like I completely ghosted her. I just stopped talking to her and it was really hurtful for her. And at that time, mm -hmm. I didn't understand how to communicate to her that I needed different boundaries because she could be pretty emotionally overwhelming sometimes. And um, I just didn't know how to do that. So I got so burnt out. And then I just stopped communicating. Sometimes, sometimes it's easier to just go somebody than to set your own boundaries. Yeah. And I am no longer at a point in my life where, like, I would do that. But I recognize where I was then. And I am not, I'm not proud of doing that. So when I reached out to her, I apologized for that. Just, and it, it, this isn't the first time that I've apologized to her about it. But I think there is something to be said about Coupling the apologies with the expression of gratitude and all of the things that you were grateful for about that relationship. Like, 
it's not just, hey, I'm sorry that I treated you like shit. It's like, I'm sorry that I treated you like shit because we laughed together so much and you were there for me all the time. And I have so many fond memories of our relationship and I did you wrong. And that's why I'm so sorry is, is because of how special you were to me. And I still did that. And yeah, I keep, I keep thinking about the term, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Yeah. It doesn't and have it to feels be that like way. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's easy to do that because mm-hmm. it's, that means self-preservation in the moment. Like, well, I'm hurt right now and I can't tell who or why or what and what I can do to make that better. So I'm just going to discard this completely. Yeah. 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 Or, or like, yeah, you just don't know what to do because nobody's ever modeled to you <laughs> like the appropriate <laughs> actions to take when somebody has like when you need to reassess boundaries and you need to communicate that with people. Like mm-hmm. I didn't really have healthy models for that in my life. So I wasn't Same. able to do that with her. And and that resulted yeah, I- in that pain. Yeah. Yeah, right. And like, I was friends with her, too. And I had a different experience. And I think what was going on is like, you guys were having your um, issues at one part point. And then like, I I came into the mix. And like, this was when we were really first starting to hang out. And uh, like, she, (laughs) I think, I think in a lot of ways, she leaned on me for um, not specifically emotional support, but just like physical support when this was happening. And it was just like, it was just way too much. I was not interested in continuing that friendship at all. We didn't, we didn't even have like all, we had a lot of laughs. We had a lot of good times, Mm -hmm. but not the history that you had with her. So there wasn't for me enough to want to reach out or, express gratitude or yeah, anything yeah. like that I could see that yeah, yeah. but you did de- you had a um, situation with a friend that you felt like you did wrong to that you reached out to you know? yeah yeah um, she was my high school friend best mm-hmm. friend yeah and um that that ended pretty dramatically pretty poorly um and I reached out to her and she she was actually like the first one that I actually reached out directly to. Mm-hmm. Um, and she took that really well uh, and told me that honestly, she was feeling guilty during all of that. Mm-hmm. So I was able to supply her with closure for that situation as to how it ended. She's, she thought that she pushed me away and I was like, I, I went readily you know, maybe it was both of us, maybe both of us, you know, take responsibility for this. But, um, but I, all I expressed my gratitude and I said my sorries and I feel slightly closer to her because of it. She really appreciated me reaching out about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I found um, that was the case with, um, almost everyone that I reached out to, like most people are very receptive to it. And I think Mm -hmm. 
there are so many times in our lives where we have opportunities to express our gratitude for people and we just don't. And people have no idea what they mean to us because we have never taken the time to tell them. And then you hear mm -hmm. all the time about people who have passed away and their relatives or people who are close to them are like, I wish I had let them know. I wish That's why I sent my communicated. That's why I sent my letter to my grandma. It's very, very close to them growing up, like through my traumatic experience, their house was a safe haven for me. And my grandpa recently passed away and I never got the opportunity to tell him what he meant to me. Yeah. And I really regret that. So I sent that letter to my grandma. Mm -hmm. and like sometimes closure, like, as you said, this gratitude experience is for yourself. Yeah. Um, that closure that you that can come around from it like is is very important because it lets you then not just you but the person you're sending that gratitude to it lets you guys process those emotions and then move beyond like, yes because maybe maybe they were lingering on it like my friend it was mm-hmm yeah. You know, um, sometimes you have to give people closure in order to move on and then like strengthen the relationship. Or even, you know, just move on. Like maybe yeah. your relationship just isn't appropriate anymore because it served its purpose. But now that you've like I wrote to one of my another one of my exes, a different one. I wrote to like a lot of my exes this month, actually. <laughs> So, um, I reached out to him and I apologized for how our relationship ended. And, um, there's no reason for us to be in contact anymore. Like there's no reason for us to continue talking or anything. However, like what that could do for him is for him to know that I am aware that I did him wrong. And that I have remorse and that I've learned from it and that I am not going to treat other people that way again. And that can do a lot for like creating a sense of closure for someone. Um, and he and I were able to have a really nice exchange, you know, where he apologized to me too. And I have already forgiven all of that. Um, but it was just good to express those things and to just know that we were okay and that we both, you know, still think fondly of each other. So yeah, it's not, um, sorry guys, we had just like a little bit of a technical disruption and, um, had to cut off there for a second, but just to finish that thought, um, it's not always the best decision to, send letters to people who you believe are going to respond negatively to them. You can just take the time, write the letter, don't send it, and then internalize that gratitude and forgiveness. Like you don't need mm -hmm. the other person to always be a part of that equation. And sometimes it's safer to make that choice. Absolutely. Too. Yeah. Like if you had somebody really, really abusive that you still want to express a gratitude letter to, and you know that if you reach out to them, like you were saying with your ex, that mm -hmm. would honestly give them a leeway back into your life. Yeah, to they, would think, havoc. Uh, they would think that they had a permission to, mm -hmm. <laughs> to come back into my life and that's uh, not something I want. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, so gratitude doesn't always mean permission. That's a good way to put it. Yes. And we'll talk about that too in our next episode tomorrow when we talk about the G-Center, the high heart, and our quest for that month. Uh, But for now, I think that's a good point to get into our current event. You found an interesting article. Yes. So we wanted to talk about a positive thing with this one, and that is how mental health awareness has increased um, and like the last 10 years or so. And even within the last couple of years, it's even so much better than it it has been before. Mm -hmm. So um, although there's still a long way to go, uh, the current event that I wanted to talk about was the emergence of the 988 hotline, which is sponsored by the federal government. And it is specifically a mental health help hotline. So if you are having any kind of mental health struggle, you can call the 988 line and you can have someone to talk to and who will communicate with authorities if necessary um, to help you so that you are not directly talking with um, like the police (laughs) or someone who isn't trained to help you in a mental health situation. This is great. I am so for this. (laughs) Yes, this is so necessary. And this actually just came to be on July 16th, um, 2022, which is like a little over a week ago. Um, The government invested $400 million into crisis centers and into the hotline. And I honestly don't believe that this could have been a thing like five years ago. No, no. Yeah. When there was still like some sort of social gaslighting on on mental health. Yeah. Like its importance. Mm-hmm. But like, I like, okay, so suicide helpline is incredible. It's great. I'm glad people have access to this. But um, I can only really speak from anecdotal experience here. But every time it's like, those people are volunteers, right? I believe mm-hmm. so. Yeah, not- I'm, not, I'm not exactly sure about this hotline, um, if they're employees or not, but most suicide prevention hotlines are volunteers. So these are people who may or may not be trained, specifically trained in this with backgrounds. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're usually they're usually people who try to like uh, metaphorically talk you down off the ledge and then kind of give you access to um, better help. But um, it a lot of times it seems like they're a little numb because they hear this, they hear like, I'm going to kill myself all day usually when they're doing this stuff. So like people can, they're still humans. They still have emotional reactions. And sometimes the reaction is to cut off their emotions and they're trying to help you. Their intentions are pure. Absolutely. But like, it can feel numb talking to them. Like they're already like, cut off a little bit and maybe for some whatever self-preservation feelings that that's an intense job to do but Absolutely. i like i like this mental health line because it gives it they're supposed to bring you to people who will care and a, are, who are able to give you much more attention give you a, a what you need mm-hmm. um versus just trying to like calm you down in the moment so it feels a little bit more integrated, like it can do more, like better work. Like Yeah, hopefully, hopefully it ends hopefully. up being that way. 
because that is totally necessary with the state of things right now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if anything, it's going to give us more analytics to draw conclusions from. Yeah. As to like how many people are unhealth- mentally unhealthy and in which ways and how many people are seeking help. So like it can at least give us some statistics that can clear up some some things for us. Yeah. But the availability is really cool. <laughs> for sure. I mean, that's it's awesome. And it's like another part of the heart chakra is the ability to be of service to other people in a compassionate way. And this mm-hmm. is certainly, you know, being of service to our community in a passionate way, a compassionate way. When we need it. Oh, God, we so mm-hmm. desperately need some compassion in our society this um i was watching this interesting video about mental health and how um what's what's specifically going on in our society in terms of this and it was talking about um how mental health the capacity for it is always there but uh it gets emphasized by the rate of um evolving uh variables in our society like technology and how quickly technology evolves so the rate of um that going on and our ability to keep up with it versus um what's actually going like servicing us like there's there's this divide between the people that we are and and all of the things that we now have to keep up with as they're continuously evolving this processing this does not end and therefore like our ability to do that gets stagnated and that's where mental illness um starts to get exaggerated that makes sense yeah that's super interesting And it kind of explains like that the increase in mental health difficulties aren't just because of the increase in awareness, which Mm -hmm. I think that's definitely a part of it, like that we are now able to identify um, when people do have issues Mm -hmm. instead of just telling them to suck it up and there's nothing wrong. No, we got a name for it now. Yeah, but also now like all of this information that's out there that we're trying to like synthesize and adapt to. And our brains just can't fucking keep up. Yeah. We're yeah. Literally our brains are not a supercomputer like that. We just are mm-hmm. not able to adapt as quickly, but we want to, because that's a part of our evolution. It's yeah. hardwired into our biologies, our rate of adaption I means survival. Mm-hmm. So, so like, not being able to adapt that breeds a lot of insecurity or maybe like you just detach completely become avoidant um maybe maybe it triggers like i don't know some bipolar tendencies or who knows what what your mental illness is but it exaggerates it for sure Mm I mean, don't even get me started on social media. Oh, my God. Okay, I'm not going to rant. I'm not (laughs) going to rant. (laughs) But um, it just, 
it, it gets hard to not relate all of these chakra points to our society. And, and then at that point, it becomes really easy to dive into the negativities of it. Um, but like coming back to our chakra points, getting it back in tune with the root and then working with the heart and like love and compassion during these moments when everything is so confusing and overwhelming yeah. all around us. It's 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 where that's how you find the stability to even start combating and asking and seeking the things that you need in your life. Absolutely. Yeah. So yay for this hotline. That'll maybe help people. <laughs> hopefully yeah. it'll help lots of people. Hopefully, hopefully it'll help a lot of people. And I am grateful for the increase in awareness that has come, you know, within like the last decade. Like, even though we still have a long way to go, like, we can be grateful for the progress that we've made along the way. And as we said at the start of this episode, it is understanding that there is a problem to be solved that is the first step towards actually doing it. Like, you got to be aware of what you Mm -hmm. need to fix before we do it. And and this uh, mental health, becoming aware of it, we're at that first step now, really. Yeah. Yeah. So shall we talk about spiritual bypassing? I think we should. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. I just, the thing that kept coming up over and over again is gaslighting. Yeah. And I know that's such a hot trigger word right now. Gaslighting. Everyone's talking about it and their attachment styles, but like, the spiritual bypassing embodies all of that. Yeah. It's, um, so it was first coined by John Wellwood in the 1980s. And he says, quote, it's the tendency to use spiritual ideas and practices to sidestep or avoid facing unresolved emotional issues, psychological wounds, or unfinished developmental tasks end quote so can we like list some examples of what this can look like good vibes only absolutely good vibes vibes only only. if i made you feel a certain way then that's your responsibility to deal with your emotions and i will take no accountability for it because good vibes only yeah, <laughs> but just like the idea of like, yes, everybody is responsible for their own emotions, but you should also be accountable for like being a cunt <laughs> <laughs> to someone else. Right, right. Like, yes. Yeah. But like your expression, how you present yourself is still an element in this equation. You cannot negate that. Mm-hmm. And you are at that point, literally just doing the cognitive dissonance you need in order to uh, not feel guilty for your actions in that moment. Yeah, another thing that Wellwood talks about is um, this idea of like premature transcendence, which is the desire to rise above um, messy human emotions before like making peace with them. So being like, oh no, I don't feel angry because I am above anger. Mm -hmm. I am spiritually evolved beyond anger. When it's Uh, like, no, you're still a human. Like you are still a human. You physically evolved from being a murder ape. So um, (laughs) 
anger's kind of written into your code, dude. <laughs> yeah. And just like, instead of taking the time to give these emotions the energy that they are requesting and the attention that they're requesting, just bypassing them by saying, like, I am more evolved than this. Right. And I can under, like, I can understand using spiritual bypassing in moments in order to, um, you know, protect yourself, you're feeling vulnerable and, and, and you don't want to like keep feeling that way in the situation, even though you can't change the situation. So what's the last thing that they teach you in psychology? If you can't change something, then you can change your perspective. And I feel like it's, it's, it's become like a twisted form of that. Yeah, I, I think so too. Um, and especially even with gratitude, like we were talking about, like people could use gratitude as an excuse to say in a shitty situation. Mm-hmm. So like, um, instead of recognizing that, let's say a relationship isn't working for you and taking the steps that you need to take to get out of it, you say, well, I'm so grateful that this person works and provides money for us to get by. You know, or I'm so grateful that they cook for me or, you know, like so many of those things as like a bandaid over this festering wound. So you won't have to look at that. Yeah. Yeah, um, (laughs) During researching for spiritual bypassing, I realized exactly how much I've done this. Like, it's easy. This is really easy to fall into. Yeah. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, you don't want to hate your day. You don't want to hate your life. Like, mm-hmm. and, and your mind is capable of telling you whatever you need to in order to get that done. Yeah. And I, I spent like a long, I just had a session with my, um, my shamanic healer, my spiritual mentor uh, a couple days ago and we talked about this just spiritual bypassing and I was like you know I feel like I've done this in the past when I've been in moments of where I'm currently experiencing trauma in a traumatic situation and I literally can't deal with it in that moment so I have been like okay well I'm grateful for this and this and this (laughs) and to like try to help myself to get through it to a point where like I can address it So like you were saying, there are ways that it can be helpful, but it isn't helpful to like continue doing that once you are like in a safe space where you can address these things. Right. And And it's also not helpful to use it to stay in that space. Yeah. 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 Which can be enabling, but like, I guess like what's, would spiritual bypassing be easy, like less easy for somebody to just fall into if they had clear definition of their boundaries in life and expression? Probably not, right? Like, especially with relationships in regard to that, you know? Um, I think sometimes people can use it to bypass other people's boundaries. Oh, you know, like we were talking about like saying, oh, I can just be a bitch to this person. And if they react to it negatively, that's their problem. Like you just like completely ignored someone else's boundary and you're just refusing to face like consequences or take accountability for doing that. 
because empathy is hard (laughs) especially (laughs) if you're like feeling angry or justified in your emotions at that point like yeah to, to feel empathetic for the person that you're in an act of conflict with like mm-hmm. like it takes a lot to be able to do that it takes it's so easy to do the bypassing though like yeah well you know fuck them mm-hmm. <laughs> but but like looking at the research and watching you know tiktoks about it uh, <laughs> the, the research <laughs> um i noticed that there's this there's there's like an equal amount of confusion as to what defines spiritual bypassing as there is to gaslighting and i feel like that is a really interesting takeaway like like people are confused uh, with gaslighting as to like what it is when is it going on how does it happen and it's almost becomes like like a witch hunt for like who is gaslighting who and where and why and how and spiritual bypassing feels like the um spiritual version of that there's a lot of confusion i watched like a tiktok today that somebody was talking about about bypassing and i was like that doesn't really seem like it that just that seems like it, it it was like about, um, shoot, what's what's the term? Um, it just seemed like somebody who was interested in a different religion and a different deity, um, and it wasn't really so much about spiritual bypassing as it was towards just being interested in another culture. And I was very confused as to why this person even used this term in this situation. But like that shows how much confusion there is, even though that bypassing isn't like you, you uh, stated the definition by the person who, who invented the term. Mm -hmm. And yet there's still so much confusion because we don't know how exactly it's going to express itself. Yeah. Yeah, I think it really comes down to that idea of like people thinking that they're evolved beyond something, you know, instead of being present with what's actually happening. And there's like a difference between, um, and this is what I talked about with my mentor a couple days ago, like I had, um, I was telling her that I felt like this one situation when I was like, actively going through trauma in my life. And I had said to my therapist at the time, um, you know, I genuinely feel like even though right now is really hard, and I've been through a lot of difficult things that eventually, I will be able to find lessons in these things. And my therapist was like, I don't think that's true. And I knew at that point that like, I, I don't, it wasn't like a good idea for me to work with her (laughs) because we just had very different opinions about that. My, um, my spiritual mentor, she was like, that doesn't sound like bypassing to me. She was like, that sounds like hope. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you needed something to like hold on to, to help you get through that. And that was the idea that eventually you would learn something from this. And it's like, it didn't mean that I was like, believing that I was evolved beyond being in the moment and like dealing with how difficult things were at the time, but that like, 
I trusted the process of how painful it was. Hmm. Trusting the pain while it was happening. Yeah. Oof. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That is yeah. A form of emotional masochism. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> It worked for me. I'm still here. Yeah, yeah. I just, I'm thinking like if I was in the situation, trusting that the pain has a lesson at some point, and that like, I just, I want to run away from it immediately. I don't want to be in that situation. I don't want to trust anything. I want to trust myself. But like, that's just that seems like a really sticky. Um, yeah, I got you through it, but. But I'm just, I, I guess I'm just struggling to grasp how that would look, how that would feel, like, from your perspective. That seems, like, foreign, trusting pain. It just, it doesn't seem like something I want to, like, be okay with, or, I don't know. Can you walk me through this a little bit more? Yeah. So, I think some of it has to do with, like, my history. Um, so some of you know, but most of you don't, that when I was 17, I got diagnosed with a chronic illness. And I had a one point where I literally almost died. And then an, another couple of times where I just had to come to face with my mortality. And during that process, it was extremely difficult. Like I got to the point where I was like, I'm in pain every fucking day. I don't want to do this anymore. I'm tired. I'd rather die. Like just, and that might be a little triggering. So I'll put a trigger warning on here for people, but um, I really felt that way. And, but what I learned from that situation was so valuable. I learned how to listen to my body. I learned how my body communicated with me. I learned that I couldn't go through life without a spiritual connection. And that part of the reason that I was so sick was because I was spiritually imbalanced. Mm. And I learned that I allowed myself during that pain to become vulnerable to someone else manipulating me because I so badly wanted to be taken care of. I learned how to not be a perfectionist because when you're sick like that, good enough has to be enough mm -hmm. because otherwise you can do nothing. And I, before that in my life, I had been a perfectionist and like, I literally like wouldn't even turn an assignment sometimes because they weren't good enough. And I got to the point where I'm just like, I couldn't do that anymore. So that was earlier in my life before the session with my therapist. And at the time that I was doing that, I was dealing with things that honestly felt even harder than what I dealt with with my chronic illness. And I was <laughs> suicidal. But I knew from that past experience that there were things on the other side of that the other side of that pain that would serve me so much in my life and make my life so much better than it was before that happened. 
So I felt like at the time I needed to trust that I was learning something from what was happening and that the pain was there for a reason to teach me something. Okay. So the pain didn't become something that you ignored. No. Like it's so easy to do, but instead to push away. Yeah. Yeah. Instead, you embraced it and tried to seek a lesson from it. And I think there's so much pain that people are going through, so much pain in society and and life, and that it's very easy for them to want to run away from it. Like I was saying, my reaction is to run away from it. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, and I mean, it's still, honestly, that is like, I'm not going to even say that that's something that I have like transcended above. Like, I honestly, like, I still, when I'm in pain, I do not want to be in pain. I mean, that's a human reaction. You know, you're like, who, I mean, there are masochists, but at a certain level, there are certain kinds of pain that all of us don't want to be feeling. But Mm -hmm. there's that level of also, like, trusting that, that that's happening and that you can learn something from it. Not necessarily I think that it's even happening for a reason or that there's anything predestined about it, but that every mm-hmm. opportunity that you have that is a struggle is an opportunity to learn how to struggle less. Right. It's like not running away from even the lows that life has to offer. Like spiritual bypassing is high things only, happy things only, love mm-hmm. and light and enlightenment. And um, and and that totally negates that there is a whole other side of human emotions and a whole spectrum in between. And um, by, by spiritual bypassing, you are literally giving yourself a, a disservice because mm-hmm. you need to have coping mechanisms like you were talking about through the pain. Yeah. You need to have ways to get through the, the trouble in life. Mm-hmm. And by investing in spiritual bypassing, you're literally taking away coping tools in order to handle those from yeah. yourself. Opportunities to learn how to handle it better. Like yeah, all and, of uh, these opportunities to learn so many things. <laughs> right. Right. And you just described not running away from that, learning from that. That doesn't mean enabling yourself to stay in a situation like that because you have so much to learn from pain. I mean, like, balance is important. Yeah. Yeah. I think, though, that I did fall into that for a while and sometimes even still do that. This idea now that, like, in order for something to be truly transformative, it needs, for me, it needs to be painful. Mm. That is something that I've worked on a lot with my um, spiritual mentor is because before I, there's so much that I still have left to transform in myself that I don't, I don't want to be painful this time around. (laughs) Like, I don't want to have to go through these like really fucking difficult lessons anymore. And I just, it's been a process to like embrace that it, it doesn't have to be like that. No, it's embracing that it can be, but it doesn't mm-hmm. have to be. Like, it's about embracing the entire spectrum of human life and experience and emotion with every moment, allowing yourself to feel any which way in every moment. 
whether it's expressing gratitude for other people and checking the expectations of what you get in return or um, (laughs) dealing with your own mental health Mm -hmm. and calling up a hotline or just like thinking about how you like, are you coddling yourself with spiritual bypassing? Like the full context in every moment is just so important that's mm. feels overwhelming. <laughs> <laughs> In this moment, I am feeling overwhelmed by my own concept. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> um. Oh, but nice. Yeah. <laughs> Shall we give them their mini task? Yeah, yeah, I think we should. All right. So So if you guys want to work with the heart chakra, we recommend that you write gratitude letters for a week. Work Mm -hmm. with gratitude for a week. If you don't want to write letters, it's fine. But just like working with gratitude. Yeah, like say thank you to a flower or the clouds. Say thank you to yourself in the mirror or to a pet or a spouse or a sibling or a parent. Or, you know, you're listening to an artist. Say thank you to them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> All right. But like, that was that was deep. That was heavy heart. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like there's so many lessons to still take away from this. I feel like the next run through of this heart chakra is going to be even more enlightening to um, my faults, I guess. <laughs> <I'm just kidding>. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this one has a lot to learn from, I guess, for me at least. Yeah. There's and so much to teach there. Yeah. But, but have fun being your own teacher there listeners Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) we will check you out next week tomorrow tomorrow this is gonna next month it will be the first month that we are doing in real time with you and we are doing the high heart or the thymus chakra or the g center whatever you want to call it (laughs) yes the g spot of the heart is what i want to call But that's going to, next month's um, video release is going to be a little bit different. Tomorrow, we have our quest log, so that's going to be a little bit more personal, a little less uh, formatted with the current events and critical thinking like the witches' brews are. So we're going to be doing that. Uh, We've got a mid-month and an end-month check-in, too, on those. Uh, But we also plan to, um, was it this month that we're doing the interview? Yeah, Yeah. we're going to bring another person onto the podcast because we know that you're so tired of hearing just our voices (laughs) (laughs) yeah so it'll be cool we're going to interview him about um his spirituality and what his spiritual history has been like and where it's going and it'll be interesting yeah really exciting to be doing real-time stuff with you guys so look forward to that yeah (laughs) Excuse me, as I pick up in your ear. Okay, bye. Bye.
Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Conscious Quest Podcast. You can find a new episode on the first and last day and every Wednesday of the month. To reach us in the meantime with any questions, comments, or concerns, you can email us at consciousquest.info at gmail.com or find our website at myconsciousquest.com. Help us out by rating and reviewing the episode on your preferred platform. And we'll see you in the unavoidable void. I think I need another card to just unwind with something. All right. Juicy, right, give us something juicy, full do, of blood. I mean, what do we need to focus on for the week or days ahead? What do you think? Uh, Cuddling. Oh, oh some aftercare. I need that. We all need some aftercare. <laughs> a good cuddle. Yeah, I've been working oh, with yeah. some deep things. Oh. <laughs> Touching. <laughs> Mm. I'm gonna go cuddle my cats now. <laughs> all right, all good luck with your quest, and we will see you tomorrow. Bye bye.